No, this is the freestyle jazz episode. <laughs> because it's dumb and boring? Wow, you're just attacking all art forms today. Yeah. Take that, jazz. <laughs> Take that, America's definitive artistic contribution to world history. <laughs> like, that's Rob's review. Like, this movie is dumb and boring, just like jazz music. <laughs> <laughs> and museums and poetry. It all sucks. <laughs> there was not one guinea pig riding one motorcycle. I was not entranced by this film. <laughs> Don't put that in the episode. It's going at the front. This is a theme song at the start of the show. Stop wasting time on that song. Gonna watch a movie, got so many to go. Stop wasting time on that song. Watching everything on Disney Seeming like a chore Since I started singing They already added more So stop wasting time On another city theme song Just tell us the name of the show Skilly Bow It's called The Podcast War Tennis Shoes Oh, what a terrible name for the show It's worse than this song Hello and welcome to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,816 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean and I am here with my two co-hosts, Rob and Pop. <laughs> I keep trying to do that in one breath, and I can't make it to the end. That was that was my best attempt to get through it all in one breath, but I didn't make it. Bob, how are you doing this week? I'm a little concerned about you, to be honest, but I'm fine. <laughs> Just because my lung capacity is lower than I was expecting? I was like, wow, this is the one. Escape to which mountain is the one that killed him. He's dying on air. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, you're the one with the scraggly voice. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. My band played our first concert on Friday night. When you're at shows, and especially when it's your first show and you're back, kind of getting back into the music scene you left like 15 years ago, it's always nice to chat and catch up with people. So you yell for 15 minutes and then talk to people for like four and a half hours. And this is what happens. Yeah. But I regret none of it. It was a great show, great turnout. I had a fucking blast. All right. What's the name of your band, man? I keep forgetting. Uh, our band is called Eggzang. Eggs, Eggzang? Yeah. Egg Starts with an X? Uh, E-X-S-A-N-G. It's an abbreviation of Exanguated. Oh, okay, cool. Exang. I get it now. And Rob, how are you doing? Did your band play on Friday? <laughs> My band did not play on Friday. Although, did go to a uh, St. Paddy's Day party, and we started singing Irish folk songs. So, sort of. Okay, well, what's your band's name? Seamus McTiernan and the Traveling Leprechauns. <laughs> Seamus <laughs> McTiernan and the Traveling Leprechauns. All right, I'll I'm take the it. the saint of the step. I've, I've, I've seen the stickers on your bowler. I know what's up. <laughs> he just travels around doing step dancing. Because St. Paddy's Day was Friday, and that was this Bobby's first concert. I was like, I really hope that your your band has just secretly been like an Irish like fiddle music band, and you learned how to do like step dancing. <laughs> and you didn't come to the show, so you'll never know. <laughs> I know. Exang. <laughs> yeah. The Irish fiddle band. <laughs> Traditional stepping music. Um, um, 
We should probably explain these references for the audience. The the Saint of the Step reference is from when we spoke about Luck of the Irish, the most offensive movie we've covered so far. It's in our Lion King 2019 episode, which was a harrowing adventure. Check it out if you're interested. We also talk about Taylor Swift for a little bit in there. We talk about everything. We cover everything on this podcast. We cast a wide net here on the podcast War Tennis Shoes. And unfortunately, we always seem to catch something offensive. Yeah, well, it's Disney Plus. You can't go too far before you run into something offensive. <laughs> it's inescapable on Disney+. Plus. Oh, and before I forget, I actually just did a guest spot on another podcast. I was invited to do a guest on the Press Play podcast where we did a review of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, so I want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Sethi and Adasha for having me. It was a lot of fun and maybe we'll do it again in the future. Ooh, nice. Okay, so what was that? The Press Play podcast? The Press Play podcast was, was available on all platforms as well. Nice. Okay, and they I assume they also uh, talk about movies or things that you can press play on records yeah uh th- i mean that would be a fun concept just anything you can press play on we'll just review it <laughs> unlike us they're not confined to the realms of disney plus so they can watch anything and everything they want unlike us here at the podcast war tennis shoes um fun story turns out i was a little bit late when we were trying to organize time zones i just said oh yeah like what the hey what time zone you're like oh i'm in central standard time like everyone knows what that means we're not in two different countries with multiple time zones not Stopping to think and realize that I should have said I was on Mountain Daylight Time for the States because they were on Central Daylight Time. So I was an hour late, which I was able to excuse from them by saying, oh, sorry, we're just a little behind up here in Canada. But I have a sneaking suspicion you guys already know that. Oh, yes, because you're recording in Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan is the one place in the world that does not acknowledge daylight savings. It doesn't ever change its clocks. It's completely rejected that entire concept. <laughs> Fun fact, if you actually go on this the government of Saskatchewan website, there's a whole page dedicated to it, which is kind of an interesting and fascinating read. <laughs> There's a whole, okay, let us explain page. <laughs> Gov.saskatchewan.letusexplain. Yeah. I also grew up in Saskatchewan, so I'm aware that Saskatchewan is on the Matthew McConaughey time, where every other time zone <laughs> springs forward, but Saskatchewan stays the same time. All right, all right, all right. Anyway, Sean, what were you up to this week? What have I been up to? Uh, I watched some other movies, some other non-Disney Plus movies recently. Oh. I finally watched Casablanca. I had never seen Casablanca. Finally watched it, and I was surprised about two things. Number one, it's boring. So that's the first surprise for this classic. Um, but number two, when people talk about Casablanca, it's like, oh, it's the Humphrey Bogart movie. You know, it's all this kind of stuff. Why the hell does nobody talk about Claude Rains? Claude Rains is fucking fantastic in that movie. He's so fucking good. And he has all the best lines. Who is he in it? He's the police constable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun role. That's the best role. It's the most interesting role. It's a large role. He has all the best lines. The movies are basically about him. It's a Claude Rains film. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart's a fucking knob who just sits there moping. Oh, nobody likes me. <laughs> Claude Rains is awesome in that movie. I watched that. And then I also watched The Invisible Man. I went on a Claude Rains little, like, tangent. <laughs> I almost said a Claude Rains rain, but that was like, no, that's not funny. Don't say that. <laughs> that's something Rob would say. <laughs> yeah. I took a stroll through a lovely little Claude Rains. <laughs> what else was he in? He was in The Wolfman. The Wolfman is a weird 
movie. Yes, it is. The Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr. That's a very strange and kind of disjointed film. That's definitely true. You know what's the <laughs> weirdest thing about Lon Chaney Jr.? Hmm. First of all, his name is not Lon Chaney Jr. when you turn on the Wolfman. It's just Lon Chaney. Second of all, his legal name is neither Lon Chaney Jr. nor is it Lon Chaney. Yeah. <laughs> his legal name is like hmm. Doug Chaney or something. Like it's something else. He's the son of Lon Chaney. Mm-hmm. The famous silent horror film actor. He got into acting himself in the 30s. And then in like the mid 30s, the studio was like, you know, we could probably market your films a lot better if you called yourself Lon Chaney Jr. instead of Doug Chaney. It's not actually Doug. I'm just making it. It's something else. Yeah. And uh, he's like, all right. And so he changed his name to Lon Chaney Jr. And then two movies later, they're like, can we drop the junior as well? We're just going to make you Lon Chaney. <laughs> For the longest time, I thought it was the same person until I watched these movies. I was like, mm-hmm. man, Lon Chaney was in a lot of stuff over like 50 years. Little did I know it was two different people. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's just, that is a strange period where you realize it was like, oh, no, it was the studio trying to capitalize on his father's fame. Although he's a pretty good actor. I have nothing against Lon Chaney Jr. He's pretty good. No, he is actually a very good actor. And it's it's one of those situations where like you do feel bad for him because like his father's so iconic and... When you're trying to carve your own way in something in a studio is like, no, 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 no. You're, you're not doing that. So anyway, I watched a bunch of uh, Claude Rains movies. That was my week. That's sweet. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about something else. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about a different horror film, Escape to Witch Mountain. <laughs> that intro was certainly scary. Yeah. That intro was wild. <laughs> it is. Just a bunch of cartoon dogs barking and chasing after kid children. I know. And we will get to it. But first, we have to do our regular world famous segment right did anybody write a review this week let's take a look let's take a peek did anybody write a review this week rob my fingers are crossed did we get anything uh no nobody wrote a review this week Okay, well, then I guess it's time for our second most famous segment. Bob and Rob say the title of the podcast a bunch of times. Hey! Oh, this is going to be awesome with my voice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just drinking like a latte here, so my, my throat is all gummy from the milk. Okay, let's do this. Bob, this first one's for you. Here's your direction. Here's how I want you to say the line. Okay, Drew Barrymore is making popcorn. Okay? <laughs> she gets a phone call from you. You ask her if she likes podcasts she says yeah she likes podcasts and then you ask her what her favorite podcast is and she says well obviously it's serial and you go no okay and then you say have you ever heard of the best podcast ever and she says what's that and then you tell her it's called the podcast war tennis shoes and then you stab her many many times okay cool that was pretty good (laughs) i liked that one one and done rob this one's for you Okay. You have a newborn baby. Just an, an absolutely <laughs> stunning little cherub, love of your life. You invite all your friends over to see the new baby, and everyone's cooing over it. And then Bobby turns to you and says, you know, you haven't told us, what's the baby's name? And then you turn to Bob and you say, It's called the podcast wore tennis shoes. Aww. Looks just like a podcast wore tennis shoes. <laughs> Can you imagine that situation where Rob basically launched Andy Jr.'s his own child to promote his own shows? <laughs> well, now we got to keep that whole bit in the podcast. I was sure it was going to get cut, and now you've got that in there. Where Robbie just names the baby in order to market his own podcast. 
<laughs> the kid's going to school, and the teacher's like, uh, the podcast wore tennis shoes. The kid's like, present. Implies <laughs> that we're doing this for how long? You're like, you're not going to change your name. We need those listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Until they stop adding movies, I'm not changing your name. Okay, Bob. All right, you're a wizard, <laughs> and you've taken Rob under your wing as your wizarding apprentice, and you're about to teach him his first magical spell. And there is a, a magical incantation that you have to speak in order to cast this magical spell. And the magical incantation are the words, it's called the podcast war tennis shoes. <clears throat> now go. It's called the podcast war tennis shoes. I like that, but you're kind of like a ghost wizard. <laughs> Can you be a wizard that isn't okay. a ghost? <clears throat> I mean, ghost wizards are the best wizards. Yeah. It's called the Podcast War Tennis Shoes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, last one, Rob. You are the proprietor of the 87th legal cannabis shop in Saskatoon. And okay. you are clearly underwater because there are way too many legal cannabis shops in Canada, including in Saskatoon. You don't get nearly enough patrons because they have way too many shops to choose from. But somebody comes into your shop. And they're looking around, and you want to show them your brand new strain of cannabis. Just came in from Vancouver Island. You open up the case, and you show it to them, and you tell them what it's called. It's called the Podcast War Tennis Shoes, man. I like how it implies that you're, like, you're partaking. Yeah, yeah. You're partaking in your own stash at this point. You're like, it's too much. <laughs> I got to use it somehow. <laughs> Nobody comes in, man. Nobody comes in to buy the podcast war tennis shoes. I also like this world where, like, not only did Rob name his son after his own show. <laughs> his, new, also named his, his new strain actor. of weed at his cannabis failing cannabis shop. <laughs> what about you? What do we got for you, Sean? <clears throat> I'm not the voices man. You two are the voices people. I'm the ideas man. <laughs> I'm the right? voices people. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence. I just machinate in the background. Is that the verb for machinations? Machinate. If it isn't, you're just going to cut it out. No, I'm going to keep it, regardless. I'm, I'm coining it now. This is just the word. If Anytime people use this word from now on, they have to credit the podcast War Tennis Shoes, all right? And then you have to clarify. You'd be like, and I'm not talking about Rob's child. Or his strain of cannabis. Or his strain of cannabis. I'm talking about the podcast. <laughs> the actual podcast War Tennis Shoes. It's a verb to scheme or plot. Ooh. All right. So I didn't invent it. Okay. You should still credit me, though. Yeah. Credit the podcast War Tennis Shoes. Oh, clearly. Well, now that we've gone through our two most famous segments, we have to get to our least most famous segment called <laughs> The Show, the where show. we talk about the horror film 1975's Escape to Witch Mountain. Based on the 1968 novel by Alexander Key, it was directed by John Howe. And I keep saying horror film because John Howe, Directed horror films. Dude was a horror film director. He made The Legend of Hell House. He was a, yep. made a bunch of British horror films. After this, he stayed with Disney and made Watcher in the Woods, a horror film from mm. like 1981. It's not on Disney Plus that I'm waiting to show up. I can't wait. Instead, we have to take Horror Junior, Escape to Witch Mountain. But I kind of feel like his horror bona fides come through in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, it may be in conflict with the type of film Ron Miller was trying to make because it totally kind of jumps back and forth <laughs> a lot. Like at times you're like, oh, this is kind of creepy. This is kind of intense. Is this a thriller? And you're like, no, this yeah. is bed knobs and broomsticks too. Yeah. Yep. 
All right. <laughs> Probably because the DOP, Frank Phillips, was the DOP for Bedknobs and Broomsticks, along with Pete's Dragon and the Black Hole. He basically was doing all these Ron Miller joints from the 70s. The film stars Eddie <laughs> Albert as Jason O'Day, probably most famous for being in The Roman Holiday and The Longest Yard. Uh, Ray Millens plays Aristotle Bolt, the villain, who has the best name I have ever heard of. Yeah, correct. And isn't in the book. <laughs> Obviously, the screenwriter had this name, and he's like, well, we have to add a new character named Aristotle Bolt, because I've thought of the best name ever. Yeah. Ray Millen is an extremely famous actor, starred in The Lost Weekend, starred in Dial M for Murder. Mm -hmm. He was, at one time, I believe, the highest paid actor at Paramount. He retired in the late 60s and then was like, this is boring, and then came back to film in the 70s as a character actor playing kind of smaller roles, including in this film. Donald Pleasance plays Duranian, who is the second-in-command of this evil empire underneath Aristotle Bolt. Not nearly as cool of a name. Most famous for being Blofeld. Come on. Blofeld is in this movie. And the, the president from Escape from New York. Oh, I didn't have that written down. I forgot that's him. That is him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dr. Loomis from Halloween. And Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Oh, I knew that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of his dialogue is so monotone. I don't think he gets above a certain decibel level ever in any of his performances. You could learn from him, Rob. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, he has just this, like, calm thing where you're, like, feel like you're in good hands with Donald Pleasance. You know? Like, you're just like, I know what I'm in for. He's very pleasant. Yeah, just a random Halloween side note. As much as I didn't so much care for, like, the third Halloween movie, I don't know if you guys watched any of the behind-the-scenes stuff for special effects for how they reshot scenes to add to the 1970s Halloween movie, where they had a stand-in actor wearing a prosthetic mask of Donald Pleasance and then CG'd over top of it. And some of the best modern special effects I've seen for either, like, really? de-aging or, like, face-swapping someone. It was super interesting to watch. When you talk about third Halloween movie, you're talking about Halloween Ends? Like, the, the third from the most recent trilogy? His scenes might be in Halloween Kills. I think. Yeah, because yeah. I saw Halloween Kills, and I saw them recreate Donald Pleasance, and it's amazing. I was like, well, this is way better than Grand Moff Tarkin. And I read, because it, it was a mix of practical and CG, which I thought was a really cool choice. Well, it's also because in those scenes, they shoot it using like a faux 1970s filter, and so it's quite grainy, which adds to the atmosphere because it makes it look like the original John Carpenter film, but I think it also, it's not exactly HD, so it hides some of the seams. That's cool. Yeah, and they're, they're, they were smart with it, too, where it's all at night and they're far away from them, so you can't get too close a look at it. Unlike Grandma Tarkin, where they're like, no, look at this like horrific monster at the front of the screen the whole time. And thus ends a pleasant evening with Donald Pleasance. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> That shouldn't have been so funny. Was that the subtitle of the episode? <laughs> uh, pleasant evening with Donald Pleasant. Okay, and then, of course, the two stars, the titular witches. Kim Richards plays Tia, and Ike Eisenman plays Tony, the two children who have supernatural abilities. Uh, Kim Richards is the aunt of Paris Hilton. Yeah. And she was a star of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for like five seasons. I was going to say I knew that. I looked at the IMDb and I was like, what the fuck? Kyler Kylie Richards is also in Halloween. The first one? First one. And she's in, she's definitely in Halloween Kills as well. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wait, sorry. When I say the first one, I'm talking about the 77 John Carpenter. Yeah, one? the 77. And then, yeah, she came back to reprise her role in um, Halloween Kills. She might be in like 2816 Halloween. Or 2018, sorry. Oh, man, it's almost like this episode has been planned. It's almost like we know what we're doing, where everything just kind of 
connects. Almost. That's the cast. Oh, wait, there's also one more. Dermot Downs is in this Dermot game. Downs. <laughs> A tiny Dermot Downs. Second show up on the podcast. A redheaded dream demon that may or may not have appeared on an episode of our show has actually worked with Dermot Downs a few times because he's actually transitioned into directing. Yeah, he's directed like every single he's directed episodes of every single show in like the cw arrowverse it's kind of crazy and he like specifically he does a lot of the big crossover events. i definitely made note of him because he is something else like he has charisma in this film as a little child actor charisma he's got much more just like a bully what are you talking about charisma (laughs) he comes through like tina and what's his face tony they're the blandest people I've ever seen in this Tia. Film. It's Tia and Tony. Tia and Tony. They're the blandest children actors. And then Dermot is just, like, doing stuff. And you're like, can I? Can he be the lead in this film? At least it'd be interesting to watch. Okay, well, fair enough. He has presence. Not pleasance, but presence. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I don't like criticizing child actors, so I won't. But all I will say is that uh, I think Kim Richards' as Tia is pretty good. I liked her. I thought she had an intensity... Uh, that uh, lent itself to the character. I thought she played it pretty well. And that's all I'll say. All right. Make me out to be the bad guy. Oh, you are. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. You do it to yourself. Radiohead style. <laughs> okay, so, Rob, how does this movie begin? Um, With a horror opening. Uh, it's this huge operatic score. Um, And then there's some, like... It's cartoon, I believe, or it's, like, rotoscoped. Well, it's a reverse mat, so instead of matting the children onto a background, they mat the background onto the children. And so what you see is this kind of, like, uh, what am I describing here? You you see, like, like an outline shadow. Yeah, their profile has superimposed shots of, like, the woods in the background and so i liked it it was an interesting effect it's intense and then then they have all these dogs barking and then cartoons dogs chasing them like it's a long opening sequence it's kind of great though and i the cartoon dogs you're talking about are animated in a very jagged way uh with very few frames and it's very intense like it doesn't come across like oh they're being chased by cartoon dogs it comes across like they're being chased by the harrowing hounds of hell yeah i really liked this opening and i also really loved the score by johnny mandel he also did the score for freaky friday and mash both the movie and the tv show uh i really loved what he did here and the opening chase theme that comes back a few times in the movie is great. The intro is kind of weird, though, because you're just like, oh, wow, I guess these kids are going to get chased by dogs for a lot of this movie. And you're like, yeah. oh, no, this doesn't pay off. <laughs> I was going to get to that when we get there. But <laughs> it pays like... off for 10 seconds. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like there's two different movies being made here because it sets up this movie for a very intense chase that just does not happen. No. The, the buildup, too, because they, skipping ahead a little bit, they're at the, like, orphanage and they just hear these dogs barking and they're just like, I know. Constantly be like, oh, they're 20 miles away. <laughs> Can you Another hear them? 10 miles away. And it's like they spend the first half of the movie building up these dogs. I know. That the opening credits set up and you're like, holy fuck. And then they see the dogs and they're like, those are the dogs that are going to chase us. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. This is going to be an intense sequence. <laughs> it lasts two seconds. Yeah. And they get away from the dogs by being like, stop chasing us. Yeah. <laughs> the dogs just go the away. The dog's like, oh, okay. So underwhelming. Uh, was that in the book that... Uh, Tia could talk to animals. I haven't read the book. I can't read every book, Rob. I'm busy. I'm just saying, okay? like, you know, they, they were like, they had this whole opening plan of these dogs chasing them, and then they're just like, oh, wait, she could talk to animals, so they'll get out of that situation really easily. Shit. That'll save us a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just looked down at my notes and I just realized that I had written down the word I was trying to think of earlier, and that is silhouette <laughs> from the opening credits. I should probably use my notes more often. Yep. So after the opening credits, what what happens next? Uh, the kids are being taken to an orphanage. Uh, we find out that their previous adopted parents have both died at the same time. Question mark? Yes, question mark. We don't know why. It's one of the many unexplained plot elements of this movie. Yep. I kind of liked it. I'm just going to say it now. I kind of liked all of the unexplained plot elements. Yeah. It's just so mm-hmm. weird. Where they're just like, your parents died. You can explain that? No. <laughs> and they're just like the, whatever, what's the, the name for someone who works at an orphanage? An orphaneer. An orphaneer. The orphaneer yeah. is like, uh, sorry, your parents died. And they're like, yeah, we love them very much. That was my favorite part of this scene where there's no court appointed guardian, no custodian, no one looking after the children. These minors are filling out their own legal documents yeah. in this orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Bob, what happens next? This was my favorite part of the movie for a while until they just kept doing it. It became really fucking annoying. Tia starts to remember something and just like turns to the left and stares blankly. Oh, oh my God. For I don't know how much time within the real world, but it's a thing that seems to happen quite a bit. <laughs> That she just goes into a comatose state as she, like, remembers the exact same sequence over and over and over again. A bit at a time. Like, she's, like, and this has obviously been happening over a period of time. This is just a random little actor note, but the past is always to the left. If you look at movies when people are remembering the past, like, they always look to a side and that's where the past resides. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, it's like the standard in Westerns where the hero enters left to right. Like, left is where you came from, right is where you're going. Yeah. And- because you read left to right, it's just what people expect so because i caught on to this right away like looking to the side i said oh i said oh she's, she's remembering something which is followed by the line of her brother saying hey tia you look like you're trying to remember something yeah because <laughs> you're looking to the left and i could not stop laughing <laughs> <laughs> he says it all the time every Be- time because this is obviously something that like for however long with their doctor parents when they're alone she would just stare off to the side and eventually he was just like what are you doing <laughs> remembering a very specific moment where we were floating at sea over and over and over and over yeah this movie is what an hour and 37 minutes or something yeah. I think, honestly, I was going to go back, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I was going to see how many times they cut to that flashback and see what the runtime was. It's about five or six. It's more than that. They cut to it like four times in one scene. It's just her <laughs> being like, it's just like she's remembering. And then Tony's just like shaking her going, what are you remembering? And she's like, I'm trying to remember it. And then she goes back to the flashback. And he's like, what did you remember? Stop it, Tony. I'm trying to remember. And they go back to it. It's probably seven minutes, I would say, of this screen time is actually just them reusing that footage of the flashback. And they have the same music cue. It's the flashback music. It was funny the first time. It was funnier the second time. But by the 10th time, I was just like, Jesus Christ, just just, just remember this already okay just remember this already (laughs) just remember it what she's remembering is tia and tony floating in the ocean with another strange man on some wreckage she doesn't really remember anything else she doesn't know what that is but that's before they were picked up and before they were adopted by the malones she's trying to remember what that means where do they come from who are they who are their original family so bobby you had said that this flashback she was always looking one direction they kind of screwed with me a little bit on it because they talk about how she can see what's happening in the future and they've got this old kind of white-haired man in, in the flashback we find out that it's a flashback and i was like is she think is she realizing something that's about to happen like later in the film is this going to be the third act climax or something that would be a sweet twist yeah 
I thought that's what it was going to yeah. be. Spoiler alert, that doesn't happen. They they go to Witch Hill, and they just kind of run around a field for a while. That's the end of the film. But I thought they okay, were going to... cutting ahead. I thought they were going to have, uh, like, this cool, like, them on a boat or something with, what's-his-face, Mr. O'Day. I thought that was going to be them... A twist, that would be the ending. It wasn't. That would have been a good twist. But this movie has no twists. Yeah. The twist is that there's no twist. What a twist. They get uh, led into the orphanage. They fill out the legal forms themselves because there's nobody else around because their parents both died mysteriously at the exact same moment. Struck by lightning, presumably. I don't know. Maybe they were chased by dogs. Maybe, Probably, that, maybe yeah, the yeah. opening is... It's, it's not the kids. It's the parents. <laughs> torn apart by dogs. That's what the opening of the movie means. Um Man, that's an intense opening. <laughs> uh, Bob, what happens next? So this is uh, Dermot Downs, as they're filling out their forms, decides to steal their pen. And is like, it's my pen. I'm going to keep it from you. Because uh, his sister's like, no, like you can't use your secret powers. They probably shouldn't use your secret powers. So anyway, they go to play a baseball game. And Tony's like, I know what's going to help me win this game. <laughs> no, Tony, don't use your secret powers. I'll only use it if it's important, such as... Such as winning a baseball game. And I love his like seven-year-old logic that is, no one will figure out if I just catch the ball behind this bush. Well, I love how truck is like you must have stood on something as if he has like a portable trampoline back there yeah <laughs> like truck fell for it he's like oh he must have been a trampoline <laughs> something fishy going on here where's your trampoline that's a really good truck impression i'm not gonna lie that was really good <laughs> <laughs> what's what's truck's story was that his parents like literally like dropped him off on the doorstep of the orphanage and peeled away and said truck <laughs> The woman That's was like, uh, I just wrote that down. Well, at least someone is filling out the paperwork for him. Yeah. The forms had a had a spot for parents' name. They were like, truck. <laughs> Left here by truck. That's his name. Truck, truck. <laughs> <laughs> like Mario, Mario. First and last name is truck. <laughs> See? He should have been the lead of this film. <laughs> okay, so Tony then breaks his one promise to his sister by displaying his amazing jumping powers by leaping into the air and winning a baseball game. Uh, Tony doesn't use these amazing jumping powers ever again in the film, right? Mm, he does immediately afterwards when he gets into a truck battle. <laughs> he also sort of uses that when they're escaping, although he does it in a weird way because they come to a gate. Yes. A gate that is perfect leaping correct height. yeah and then they say we cannot get over this gate we need a horse and escape like it's a pona from lon lon ranch and so <laughs> they get a horse but then he uses his magical jumping abilities to onto jump to the, the horse and there's a wide shot where he's clearly jumping high enough to get over the gate he also in this truck battle is he the one who's picking up the glove and the baseball bat yes yeah. and how is he doing this telekinesis but the rest of the film, he can't do it without his harmonica. So why? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. That it sets this precedent of, oh, he's telekinetic, and then later is like, but I can only do it with my harmonica. It's like... Unless it involves truck. <laughs> yeah, unless it involves truck. <laughs> I can fuck with truck. Our, our parents were run over by a truck. It's very personal. <laughs> <laughs> I have to destroy every truck. Yeah. <laughs> I swore revenge against all trucks, including this one. <laughs> Starting with him. <laughs> he's two trucks. He's truck truck. He's the worst. <laughs> but Tia can move shit with her mind. She's telekinetic and doesn't need a harmonica. Yeah, because she's awesome and Tony sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he she definitely got the better skills. She's just not a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, they, they set up these rules first time you see them being used and they never do it again. And I was like, what is happening right now? So just to be clear to the audience, if you haven't seen the movie, these two kids have these supernatural powers. They have telekinesis powers. They have certain amount of telepathic powers. They can sort of see the future and hear dogs 20 miles away. And they don't know why. We don't know what they are. We don't know if they're witches. We don't know if they are Stranger Things government experiments. We don't know if they're aliens. Spoiler alert, they're aliens. Anyway, moving on, after he alien fights Truck and beats the shit out of him using his alien powers, um, then what happens? Uh, they go on a field trip to go see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Is that what it was? Yeah. They're about to get on the school bus, and Tia looks over and sees a car, uh, and she does her staring off in the distance face. And Tony's like, are you remembering something? And she's like, this is the first time where I'm not yeah. remembering something. <laughs> and uh, she sees Donald Pleasance walking out to the car with a briefcase looking all rad, and she said, that man shouldn't get in that car. And so they run over to Donald Pleasance and say, hey, buddy, don't go in that car. And so he doesn't. And then that car gets smashed by a, what was it? Just another car, truck or something. It's a tow truck. Not, not the kid truck, an actual truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's proving that they have an issue with trucks. Their family enemy, trucks. I mean, I wrote down that in an alternate universe, this is the psychic little girl saves Donald Pleasance and he goes on to become the president of America yep. and cordon off New York City. Correct. That's what I thought, too. So it's like a reverse dead zone where she uses her future seeing powers to save the president. <laughs> so Donald Pleasance goes back to what is his name? Aristotle Bolt? Yes. How could you say what is his name? The best name. What are you talking about? <laughs> we find out that Donald Pleasance works for a guy. What does he do? He's just rich. He's rich and evil. And has a shadowy board of shadowy figures. Yes. That he has formed to find psychic children. Yes. No, he, he, well, he has like a shadowy board of shadowy figures to bring him like magic updates. And there's like one guy who's like, here's your astrology updates. updates. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and, and he's like, that seems dumb. What about you? And he's like, here's your update on like vibrations and like crystals. And he's like, that also seems dumb. And he's like, I've spent so much money on these magic updates. They all seem dumb. And then Donald Pleasance walks in and was like, oh, dude, don't worry. I got this covered. For the one time ever, I actually found something for you. All these years, <laughs> I've just been collecting a paycheck. Yeah, I was going to say, what did Donald Pleasance do? Like, I understand the other guys. They had like the astrology and the vibrations. What was Donald Pleasance? He just reported on British things? Like, what What did he do? I think he reported on Magic Kids. And he was like, your update is, I did not find Magic Kids this week. <laughs> yeah, like... And he's like, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. I found Magic Kids this week. For years, he's been standing in the way of danger waiting for someone to save him. And today, he ran to the office. I was like, dude, dude, it, today, it paid off. It finally happened. I, I doubted you. It's like Samuel Jackson from Unbreakable. He, like, yes. paid the tow yes. truck to smash into him. That's it. Okay, perfect. His character makes sense now. I like it. Thank you very much. Do we play our favorite game in this film, Spot the Racism? Um... Are you just referring to like the the the, the, the guru vibration man? Is the he, guru? Yeah. Is he actually from India or is he just a dude wearing a turban? He might be Sikh. Yeah. I don't know if that's racism. I I, I mean, it's a stupid stupid stereotype thing. It, but. It, I just wasn't sure. Like when 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 the actor's name is like Sherman Sanders from Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. I don't care what culture he is. Sherman Sanders is not a man who wears a turban. <laughs> 
nobody named Sherman has ever authentically worn a turban in their yeah, life. I did make a note of that. I was like, what is all this kind of like new age stuff? Was this all the rage? Um, they say ESP later in the film, so this was kind of like a... I mean, it's like an MK Ultra thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's like... it's like how the CIA invested a bunch of money in like trying to invest in telepaths yeah. and menusteric goats type shit. Except this is just Aristotle Bolt, and he's like, I could do that too, I'm rich. Yeah. Instead, he just got a guy from Chicago to put on a turban <laughs> and tell him about fucking So no wonder it wasn't working. Good thing he was rich to begin with. <laughs> You're just from Chicago. <laughs> My real name's Sherman. You got this guy coming in every week to tell you he didn't find magic kids. Come on, we can all get a paycheck. The audio in this scene with the shadowy board was really echoey. There's a lot of echoey audio in this movie. I noted it in the first scene with Truck, when they sit down at the table and they're filling out those forms, they did ADR pickups, but they, like, brought the kid into a giant, like, salt mine to record it. It's bizarre. Yeah. Okay, so then he finally, he's like, oh, wow, I've spent so much money over so many years and we finally have something interesting. Apparently magical kids. You should go get them. Yeah. Pretend to be their uncle. Just forge their documents. And then cuts to the orphanage being like, oh, wow, these to- these documents are very much in order. Yeah, they, 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 they smell it out so much, the, the head. I've never seen such authentic looking documents. That's what she says. It's like direct quote. She's like, these documents look so good. And the look on Donald Pleasant's face is the shit-eating grin. He's so happy with it. He's like, yes, they are good documents. Spare no expense. So one thing to note, before they go off with Donald Pleasance, there is a scene of the kids yes. at the orphanage, and they're in their little orphan room. They all have their own rooms. How big is this fucking school? It's a sweet orphanage, yeah. For some reason, I thought little orphan room was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> they do have their own bedroom, though. But uh, And you see that Tony is using his harmonica to magically animate a crayon to lift into the air and then start drawing something on the mirror. And you're introduced to the fact that he plays the harmonica and that gives him the power to move objects with magic music, I guess. Um, Two things I want to say about this scene. First of all, throughout the movie, the score by Johnny Mandel kind of like incorporates the harmonica as part of the background music and the harmonica is often playing the themes that are incorporated into the score in other scenes Mm -hmm. so it kind of moves in and out of being diegetic and i really liked it i really liked the way that the music that the harmonica plays are like the themes from the movie it's quite cool um the second thing is that this special effect of the crayon writing on the mirror is fucking awesome. Yeah, I did make note of that too. That one was good. I think it's magnets. I think that the crayon is being lifted by wires, but then there's also some sort of magnetic core to the crayon, and then they have magnets behind the mirror, because once it gets to the mirror, it's moving with a lot of dexterity, and I think it has to be that there's a magnet on the other side that is moving the crayon as it draws on this mirror. But it's also just shot really well, because the camera is angled so that the scene is playing out kind of like in a corner of the room that you can see as a reflection in the mirror while the crayon is drawing on it. It's just really well staged and it's visually dynamic. And I kind of fucking loved it. I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. And the kid is drawing Aristotle Bolt's house. Yeah. And Tia's like, what the fuck is this shit? And Tony's like, ah, I think it's somewhere we're going to be in the future because we can both see the future. That's what it is. I was going to say, they can hear yeah. and see places that they're going to be. 
Yeah. So it's kind of like always foreshadowing if they hear or see something. It's like, oh, where are we going to go next? They can't remember anything worth a shit, but like they know what might happen. See? And that's what I thought Tia was having a premonition of the boat in the water because they set it all up. No, it's a good twist. At the end of this scene, the camera then lingers on the mirror with a drawing of Aristotle Bolt's house, and then it crossfades to an exact matching image of Aristotle Bolt's house that perfectly lines up with the drawing. Considering the fact that we just saw the drawing made, like we actually just watched them make the drawing, and then it crossfades perfectly into the actual Aristotle Bolt mansion, I thought that was incredibly impressive. Again, because it's like a mirror yeah, that was, effect. that was really good. There's like magnets on the back of it, and then somehow it matches up perfectly with the crossfade. I was like, this is really impressive. On the back of the mirror, they probably just had the picture of the house, and he, the person was just drawing yeah. it with a magnet over top of it. I know. No, I'm just saying that's probably how it's done. That's pretty cool. Whether it was easy to do in the end, conceptually, it's a great shot. But at this point in the film, too, they've also had their second truck battle, and... The cat has intercepted. We didn't talk about the cat. Do we need to talk about the cat? It's uh, it's Chekhov's cat that doesn't pay off. Yeah, and I'll get to the end of the movie as to why it specifically did not pay off for me. But in this scene, he stops the cat versus truck. Cat wins. Um, drops their box with a star on it. Oh yeah. And then is like, oh wait, we've had a ma- we've had a map this whole time. Oh yeah, that is important. So Tia has this yeah. lunchbox. That she carries around. That they never open and never put anything in. No, you can't, because it's just a it's very knick-knack ornament. Like, you're not supposed to put anything in it. It's just a giant piece of plastic she carries around on a string everywhere she goes. I think it's supposed to have stuff in it. I think she's supposed to, like, carry her coins and crayons in it or something. We just never see her do that, because it doesn't matter. What matters is that it has, like, a dual star motif on the cover... And then when they drop it in the second truck battle, the cover falls off and they see there's a map under it. And it's a map to some place called Stony Creek and Witch Mountain. And they're like, oh, this might be important. It doesn't actually say Witch Mountain, though, right? No, but it says Stony Creek. And then it points to a mountain, a very witch-looking mountain. Yeah, like which, like which mountain? That mountain. <laughs> the title of the movie is actually Escape to Witch Mountain. It's like yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ron Miller being like, no, 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 it's supposed to be a question. <laughs> <laughs> Except it, it matches up because when they made Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, they refused to put a question mark on it because there was this superstition in Hollywood that you can't put a question mark on a film title. So Who Framed Roger Rabbit does not have a question mark on it. And so it's almost as if you're saying a man named Who is someone who framed Roger Rabbit <laughs> as if it's an Abbott and Costello routine. Maybe he had the same superstition. It's supposed to be escape to which man? <laughs> so yeah, as we said, then Donald Pleasance comes with his exceptionally legitimate documents. They're so good. They're the best documents. <laughs> Looks over at the children to say like, that's right, you know they're not legitimate. You know I'm not your uncle. <laughs> but the documents say otherwise. I know you can read my thoughts, boy. <laughs> Except he does. That's the whole reason he's kidnapping them. So he takes them to Aristotle Bolt's mansion. Xanthus. Not only does Aristotle Bolt have the sweetest name, like, he's like, no, no, no. I have to have the coolest house name in the world, too. It's the coolest house name with the lamest fucking house. Like, it's all just stone, weird, like, caverns and shit. He does have that shadowy boardroom that's like the castle... Uh, from Blank Check. He does live in the castle from Blank Check. He lives in Robert Rodriguez's house. <laughs> so as he takes them on this tour of Robert Rodriguez's house, they take him to the back, and they're like, look upon this estate. Everything you can see is owned by Aristotle Bolt. And then the first thing he points to, and then the camera lingers on, is the ugliest fucking pool I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like five feet across, and it's got brown water in it. 
It looks like it's like the sad pool at like at a divorced dad apartment. Like it's weird as fuck that they point to it. It's like look at that, everything he owns. Um, he also has the most ridiculous gate lever I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's the best. It's like the most comical thing. It looks like something that would like raise a drawbridge from like an <laughs> ancient medieval yeah. castle. No, it, it, it is the dungeon master like gate. Like he needs he needs a gatekeeper, not just some jerk who's allergic to cats. <laughs> it's an electrical gate that clearly could be like you could just hit a button, <laughs> like a, a red button on the panel that would just open the gates. But they have this giant lever that requires like three men to lift. It's bizarre. You imagine he hired a contractor too, and they're like, you know, we could just install a button. He's like, Aristotle Bolt needs not a button. that's great as they take the kids on this tour and they show them their sweet little children's room that has a malt shop in it and a little you know a bunch of marionettes and toys they imply was just built just built like yesterday donald pleasance says i got a feeling about these kids and aristotle bolt goes Gotcha, buddy. I'm going to remodel my whole house. Bring in the guy who made the uh, the giant lever the for our kids. <laughs> I like his work. He just says, I got a feeling about these kids. And then just completely remodels his house. They take the kids to the back window and they show them the ugly fucking pool. And he says, everything the light touches is your kingdom, much like Lion King. <laughs> the specific line is, everything you can see belongs to Aristotle Bolt. And Tia goes, well, I can see the sky. And it cuts back to Aristotle Bolt, and he looks so fucking yeah. angry. <laughs> he just, like, pops out his chest. He goes, <laughs> and then, like, walks away. He's done everything he can to impress these kids. And she just throws it back in his well, face. He remodeled his house. <laughs> he put a malt shop and, like, a cat cafe in their bedroom. And he's like, are you impressed? He's like, I'd be more impressed if you owned the sky. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> well, my interpretation of the performance was that he... He, at one point, did try to buy the sky. <laughs> he does have a helicopter with his name on it. Yeah. Like he, he's invested some purpose into buying the sky. She's hit some sort of third rail or something because, like, Donald Pleasance then turns to him with this smirk on his face where he's like, remember that time you tried to buy the sky? And he's like, don't remind <laughs> me that I don't own the sky. You children will help me buy the sky. But, but that is why he's bought them. I still haven't really figured out what he plans to do with the kids. Well, I think he wants it's so, to it's so somehow stupid. <laughs> make money off of them, manipulate the stock market. What's, what, what's he yeah, doing? Yeah, like predict predict what stocks are worth money. Like he just, instead of drilling for oil, he just like wants to hold kids over plots of land to see if there's oil underneath it. He plans to use these magical aliens as like divining rods where he's just going to like walk around <laughs> grassy fields holding them and see like, is there oil here? His plan to prove magic exists was just to have people stand in random places until they found it. So like this adds up. <laughs> And pay people to run into him with a tow truck. God, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. And then, uh, so we get the scene uh, where the nightmare nightmare fuel of my dreams happens, and these marionette puppets start dancing around on their own. Yeah, because it's a Disney movie, Ron Miller's like, we gotta get some bed knobs and broomsticks up in this joint, so let's get some substitutionary locomotion going on. And there's just this long musical sequence where Tony plays the harmonica and Tony they all doesn't dance just play the harmonica. To... He becomes a whole fucking orchestra with his mouth. Yep. Yeah. The harmonica disappears. I know you're I, I kind of like you were saying, like the harmonica like becomes the score and is the score. But in this one, it's like, no, he's just an entire orchestra. Like, no wonder he wants to keep this kid. Like, this dude could like sell out symphonies with just this kid and his harmonica. <laughs> 
yeah, make money that way. Instead, he's just like pushing the kid in a wheelbarrow through like grassy fields. Have you found oil yet? <laughs> and as he's like playing his harmonica over fields to see if oil's going to jump out of the ground. I did not like this song. It could have been because it was matched with the visuals. But whatever this song was, it was pretty bad. Oh my god, yeah. But it's, but it's like, it's processed. It's, it's extremely annoying. It's like, just like merry-go-round music. It goes on for way too fucking long. It's like ten minutes long. This whole sequence is so long. That skeleton bird go-go dancer marionette that shows up, holy shit, was that scary. That had to have been like a Donald Pleasance touch. He was just like, put this one in. <laughs> no, that one. That's the marionette the children want. (laughs) And then the camera pans back and Donald Pleasance and Aristotle are just watching the children through cameras. And he's like, don't worry, I'm getting the other cameras installed later in the week. (laughs) It's very creepy. Okay. Tia has a premonition that they have to get out of here because they're never going to be set free if they stick around. And they also are like, oh, hey, it's those dogs that we've been hearing. (laughs) Those evil sounding dogs. They're right outside. They're like, oh, man, this dog chase, it's going to be good. It's the intro of the movie. They've been talking about the dogs up until now. (laughs) They keep talking about the dogs. This is going to pay off in a big way. And then they have dinner with Aristotle Bolt and Donald Pleasance. And there's a very weird sequence of events here. You could tell he has no idea what he's doing. So it's like Aristotle... Children don't eat flambe. (laughs) Who makes flambe for children? But Aristotle's like, all right, cards on the table. I've been spying on you. I know you have magic powers. I'm going to use you to find oil. All right? I'm too lazy to simply drill for it. Yeah. I have the means. I have the money. Get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) And then the kids go, I don't think so. You should go to bed. And then Aristotle Bolt goes, I should go to bed. And then they turn to Donald Pleasance and they're like, you should go to bed too. And Donald Pleasance just nods and leaves the room. And I was like, is this a magical power they have? Yeah. Are they Professor Xing them? It's the same thing with the dead parents. Like they just like brush over this magical power. Like I think they were Professor Xing them. I think they were controlling them I with think their mind. Professor Xing them because. They can influence animals. Yeah. They also, like, they get up and go to bed, and then, like, Aristotle and Donald Pleasance are just like, why am I going to bed? Let's let's keep spying on the kids. <laughs> like, they don't go to bed. <laughs> yeah, like, they get into the next room, and they go, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not tired. Never explained. Never do it again. It's never explained, like most things in this movie. And then I think she remembers something at the dinner table. <laughs> she sits there th- looking to the left for a yeah. while. Bobby, if Tia is in a scene, she remembers something, okay? Every time that yeah. she's in a new scene, she remembers this fucking flashback. And then they basically escape that night. Yep. They use their magic powers to, like, unlock all the doors. They run out. And you're like, oh my god, dogs, finally. It's finally going to be dogs. And as we said, the dogs just run up to the kids and stop. And Tia's like... Don't chase us. The dogs are like, oh, okay. Well, my favorite part is the kids run out and then like the staff release the dogs. And it's these like vicious, bloodthirsty dogs that start chasing the kids. And then like Aris cuts to Aristotle bolt on the phone. And he's like, you release the dogs. Don't do that. Yeah. And then there's a pause and he goes, what do you mean? It's too late. <laughs> like those dogs are clearly going to murder those kids. Yeah. yeah. That's his line. There is those dogs will ruin all of my plans because those dogs will murder them. And it reminded me of like Willow when they're like the, the hounds were chasing after the baby and then destroy yeah. the bassinet. <laughs> it's like, what do you think was going to happen? And then they come to the gate that is perfect. Telekinesis jumping height. Yeah. But they don't telekinesis jump the gates. They just sit there trying to open the gate with the giant lever and they have like a mind battle with the gate man. It's a very weird thing that's going They're on. They're trying here. to mind open the gate and like Sneezy's like, ha ha, I've had all this psychic training. Nothing will stop me. And then 
the cat's like, I don't worry, I got this. And he sneezes so powerfully, he pulls the gate back as it blows him into the wall. <laughs> it opens the gate. That is the most <laughs> allergic man ever. That guy is more allergic to cats than you, Bobby. <laughs> I thought I was allergic to gates, and I was like, oh, wow, like, this guy gets my moniker of Sneezy. Like, he, he earned just it. said I was allergic to gates. <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't have got this job as a gate man. I'm allergic to gates. The rest of the movie's pretty fucking skippable at this point. Yeah, I know, right? Most of this is them on the run with Mr. O'Day and nothing really happens. What, what happens? Like, well, they figure out which mountain they're supposed to go to and then the movie ends. <laughs> they go to which mountain? Yeah, which mountain? Which, oh, mountain? Which, which mountain? Which mountain? Yes, which mountain? And then they go to a plateau of sorts. Not a real mountain. They don't actually climb a mountain. There's no mountains to be had in this film. It's a trick. It's like, which mountain? Like, haha, fool, none of them. <laughs> Meet the children at the plateau. All right, so where are we, Rob? Where are we in the I movie think now? They, they just got through the gate, and they are going to go meet... Uh, Jason O'Day. Jason O'Day. So we are introduced to Jason O'Day, who's a curmudgeonly old man who hates everybody. He? Yes. Yes, he is. He is, is he? for this scene. He is. Okay, okay cool. For this one scene. I, I liked what he said. He said, I'm a mean, impatient, selfish man. I'm like, he just, he just volunteered that information. That's how he describes himself to a stranger. He's not just like, ah, I don't really like kids. He says, I'm a mean, impatient, selfish man. It's so specific. I'm just imagining introducing myself to like a Starbucks barista. Yes, that's what it was. And make sure it's fast. I'm a mean, impatient, <laughs> selfish man. Correct. That's a sure way to ensure you're drinking a spit-flavored latte, but yeah. Uh, so they hide out in his RV because he's going to travel these United States in his RV because he's a mean, impatient, selfish man. He doesn't like people. He only likes the open road. And he's going to do it alone, just the way he likes it. And he's pretty much the, the lead for the rest of the film, almost. Yeah, for some reason, they ditch the horse. I mean, I don't even remember how, because a lot of the middle of this movie is, like, kind of forgettable. Yeah. I'm almost just about to be like, so that's the end of the movie, right? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> but there's still half the movie left. We haven't even, we're just introducing Jason O'Day, yeah. the apparent lead. <laughs> I think he's top build. He might be, actually, yeah. Eddie Albert is top yeah. build, so I think he is the lead. Yeah. What does he say? He's like, you think your trip's going to be fun? He's like, not at the rate you're charging me for gas. It's like, dude, come on. He isn't like, yeah. he pays $10 to fill up his RV. $10 to fit up a Winnebago. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. I wrote that down in all caps because I was so upset. And he's complaining about it. Yeah. Like, he goes out of his way to prove to everybody he's mean and curmudgeon So, the kids have hidden away in his RV, right? And he makes a stop at the ocean and finds that the kids are in the back of the Winnebago. Because the cat covered them in flour? Who knows? <laughs> The cat made a mess, yeah. and he's like, I don't like kids. You better get out of here. I don't want you around here. It's not really explained how much the kids told Mr. O'Day. They don't actually tell him everything, right? Like that they are psychic and they can move shit with their minds? Well, they start the car with their mind. Yeah, and Mr. O'Day is fine with it. I just want to point out that every time that a new revelation happens, Mr. O'Day is just like, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Look. He hasn't talked to people in a long time. <laughs> he doesn't remember what it's like. I guess these kids could start a car. I don't remember kids being able to do this. I guess kids I can do this. Kids. I guess they can do this. And then later on in the film, when they find the, 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 they get the box and they're looking at it, it's like, two stars. Oh yeah, we're from another planet. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Alien kids. Rad. <laughs> He is the most chill man. For someone who's saying he's mean and impatient and selfish, he's just cool with these kids dropping all these bombs on him. He's just like, yeah, it makes sense. Perfect. My favorite part about Jason O'Day is that he is a walking country and western song. <laughs> 
Yeah. You can imagine him like honky talking about like I'm mean old Jason and don't you talk to me. <laughs> and then you get his backstory of him being like, well, I was never married. And the little girl's like, sure you did. She died and you vowed you'd never love another person ever in your life and you never have. <laughs> like a Johnny Cash song, but the last verse is about finding alien kids that can make your Winnebago fly. Yeah. Have, have you not heard the song Highwayman? <laughs> <laughs> is that what happens in the third verse? It's, it's Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, and Chris Christopherson. And then the little kids made my Winnebago fly. <laughs> if you listen to that song, it ends with the Highwayman being an alien on a spaceship. Like, Wow. There you go. It's not even a joke. We're both learning something today, listener. <laughs> and then, yeah, as you say, he starts the car with his mind, and they're like, we need to get Stony Creek. And they're like, to a mountain. He's like, which mountain? They're like, we don't know. <laughs> that but one. But he knows where Stony Creek is, and he says, he says he'll help the kids. Right. The first time which mountain is actually referenced is uh, the sheriff who, in Stony Creek, like, arrests the kids. The first time they say they're from which mountain, that's when it is. It's introduced, like, an hour and 20 minutes into the film, maybe? Because all these rednecks are like, oh, that mountain where all the witches live yeah they're like what this plot takes <laughs> yeah. a turn we're, we're gonna get there soon because i don't think much of this matters so they're driving to stony creek the evil aristotle bolt and his henchmen have enlisted the police to all chase these kids a- aristotle uh, has his fingers in every finger of government and local police and yeah. donald pleasance calls the police and did you see anything they're like and like the one cop who you assume just gets like shot by the rest of the police officers, like, oh, there was a Winnebago with some old man and kids that I let go, but that couldn't possibly be who you're looking for. Yeah. My favorite part is when the police finally catch them on the highway, this one guy in a motorbike, like, forces them off the road, and then he gets off, and then the kids use their magic telekinetic harmonica powers to, like, force the motorbike to drive off a cliff. But the police officer just watches it all happen with, like, (laughs) saddened befuddlement on his face. Like, he doesn't try to stop it. He's just watching it, and then it goes over the cliff, and he's, he's like... like, reserved to that this is going to happen. He's just like, oh, all right. It's probably the same cop from Blackbeard's Ghost, who's like, you know what? I wrote that down. After my car tried to drive into me, I just want to move to a nice coastal town <laughs> where no psychic shit ever happens to me again. And he's just staring, being like, I can't avoid it. As his <laughs> yeah. bike goes off a cliff. He's so sad. It's the saddest I've ever seen anyone, and it's because he's experiencing telekinetic motorbikes again. Yeah. He, he knows not to engage because it's not going to end well. He's yeah. just like... Like, this is going to yeah. happen. <laughs> Jason has his other plan where he's like, I know, I'll go one way. Kids, you get arrested. Yeah, well, he, like, drops them off at the police station. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very bizarre. <laughs> like, his plan, he's like, get out. And he, like, drops them off. And the sheriff's just standing there. He's like, I guess I'll arrest you now. Oh, that was easy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff just walks out the door. He's like, oh, here they are. Um, so he arrests them. And then you get a very long additional bed knobs and broomsticks sequence where they substitutionary locomotion the sheriff. I love that he throws two children in adult jail. The kids escape and then they see like a bear in a cage for like a circus and they're like, stop everything. We need to save a bear. Bear next door to the jail. It's He's outside the police station. The bear's in jail. He was arrested too. They, they, they have a big uh, honey disappearance problem in this town. <laughs> anyway, so the kids escape after magically attacking the sheriff with a clothes rack um the clothes rack comes to life and like attacks the sheriff uh tony is using his harmonica in the same fucking room as the sheriff and the sheriff doesn't hear it yeah what the fuck was this scene i hated it so much i was like tony can move shit with his mind he doesn't need this goddamn harmonica but he's just like blowing on the harmonica making this ghost coat rack mop thing and the, the sheriff's like, oh, I wonder what's happening behind me. Oh, I can't hear no fucking music. I hated these damn rules that they keep fucking changing. He is a sheriff in a local county jail. He is used to hearing their harmonica. 
<laughs> he just assumes somebody's singing in there. Yeah, he's, he assumes that someone who he's going to execute later is playing their last song. Right, 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 right. Yes. Anyway, so the kids escape, they save the bear, and then the sheriff rounds up everyone in town and says, and tells everyone in town this story. So I need to set the scene because yep. this whole sequence is hilarious. He yep. rounds everybody up and everybody's like, what's up, sheriff? And he's like, he tells them the story where he's like, this magical coat rack attacked me and I was defeated by a jacket. And there's only one explanation. These two kids I arrested are actually witches and we need to hunt them with guns. Yes. And everyone in town says, that makes sense. Everyone puts up their guns and pitchforks and is like, yep, yep, that's exactly what we're going to do. They make an angry mob and a posse to go chase down these children with shotguns. But every nobody in town saw this. It's just the sheriff. Yeah, like, yeah. He literally rounds them up, tells them the most insane story, and everyone at the drop of a hat is like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's go shoot some kids. Yep. Let's go shoot some kids. There's a scene later where uh, Donald Pleasant says to this angry mob, the reward is now up to $5,000, but there's a catch. You can't murder them kids. I don't care what happens to the old man, but you can't murder them kids. And the posse goes, <laughs> fine. I guess we'll just murder the man instead. Like, none of these people know who these people are. The old man hasn't done anything wrong. And they're just like, we can kill him, right? What the fuck is going on in Northern California? Holy fuck. <laughs> um, meanwhile, while this is happening, as the mob's getting around, the bear is guiding the children to safety. Very nice bear. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a very nice bear. They meet up again with O'Day, who's like, uh, what took you guys so long? I dropped you off at the police station. <laughs> Turns out that was a really bad plan. I should have just taken you to the mountain. And the angry mob of people along with Donald Pleasance, who has now phoned Aristotle Bolt and is like, we have them. They're right in front of us. And Aristotle Bolt gets in his Bolt copter um, <laughs> as if he's Thanos. And he like, <laughs> flies all the way to like Northern California. He's just flying around California till he finds them. <laughs> Dude's got fucking money to burn. Well, no wonder he needs them to find oil. He needs to fuel up his copter all the time. <laughs> He just this that's also how he's been searching for oil. It's just <laughs> this would be so much better when I have those psychic children. Just looking out the window. Yeah, and then like as you're saying, as this is going on, the like mob from Rambo is trying to shoot these children. Yep. As they're driving in the Winnebago, Tia suddenly remembers, oh right, we're aliens. That's what we are. <laughs> and as you yeah. say, Jason's just like, oh cool. Because he's taking them to which mountain? That mountain. <laughs> they get to like the, the bottom of the mountain where there's Stony Creek, the town of Stony Creek, which is empty because Stony Creek is just a single building. It's a motel. It's a motel. And they go in the motel and there's nobody there. And then Tony's like, wait a second. There's something about the phone book. And he opens the phone book. He finds a random number and then he calls it. And this is another one of those, yeah. what the fuck is going on moments in the movie where they don't explain anything. This is the dead parents. This is the old people going to bed. This is just... The whole movie is them following clues that were never explained to the audience. Yep. It's very confusing. Because yep. he acts as if he's following a clue that he received earlier, but we never saw it. I don't know what he's doing. But he calls a number, and then it's like the alien hotline. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, do you happen to be an alien? And he's like, yes. The aliens bought a motel and then never rent out any of the rooms with the hope that other aliens will stop at this motel <laughs> and pick up the phone. It's very confusing because the voice on the other line says, oh, it's Tony and Tia. We've been waiting for you this whole time. Okay, get in your Winnebago and you and Jason need to drive down the highway and we're going to do something crazy. And they're like, okay. And so then he starts driving down the highway 
And then what occurs is quite possibly the worst six minutes of any film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's, it's funny because for a moment, it's, it's the Terminator 2 chase for a little while where you have the kids in the Winnebago, yeah. which is the SWAT car, and you have the helicopter behind them being piloted by Aristotle 1000. <laughs> and then as you say, it just becomes yep. insane for the last six minutes <laughs> where it becomes chitty chitty bang bang but it's a Winnebago. I will say one thing about this, and I wrote it down. There was no sped-up footage, Bobby, of the car chases. There was no sped-up footage. What did you think? I did really appreciate the fact that these children murdered at least 10 adults in this chase. Right? They they had to kill a couple of those people. I have to point out, it's a Disney film from the 1970s, so it ends in a car chase, just like every single fucking Disney film. Yes. Through unexplained means... These aliens then cause the Winnebago to start flying. Because for the rest of the movie, the aliens speak to them telepathically. Yeah. And there's this moment afterwards that it's like, yeah, if you could do this the whole fucking time, why did you have a phone in an abandoned hotel? Right. Let's talk about this flying Winnebago effect. If you can call it an effect. Do we have to? I don't even know how to describe it. It honestly seems like... I can tell you how to describe it. Okay, (laughs) Go, go ahead. Someone took a picture of a Winnebago. And they just put it on top of the film and just moved it around like it's flying. It's just a static picture of a Winnebago that they moved around some stock footage of of someone flying through like a California valley. And you can see, like, the editor's finger, like, moving the Winnebago. Around. It's on a popsicle stick. <laughs> yeah, those are the popsicle stick is in the bottom of the frame. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I honestly thought it was charming. I was like, oh, that's a charmingly bad effect. Little did I know, this is the rest of the film. Yes, the, the rest climax of the, film. of the film. This is all the movie is going to be. If that wasn't bad enough, they do it with the helicopter. They get a helicopter on a stick. <laughs> yeah, we have to explain the helicopter because Aristotle Bolt flies up to them and and looks at this flying Winnebago and then, like, rubs his eyes in a comical, like, cartoon way and goes, oh, that's the first time I've ever seen a flying Winnebago. He does a quadruple take. It is a quadruple take. He doesn't do a double take. He does a quadruple <laughs> take. Yeah. I've never seen that before. How many times can you turn around and look at something <laughs> and not believe what you're seeing and be like and talk about it, talk to the pilot, and then go back and look at it? He's like, ah. And the helicopter pilot, do you notice how he doesn't react? That's just because his helicopter pilot is fucking ice in his veins. <laughs> because they get this stupid effect where the aliens not only are flying the Winnebago, but they turn Aristotle's helicopter upside down. And the pilot just keeps flying upside down. <laughs> he lands the helicopter upside down without killing anybody the dude has fucking ice in his veins it, like whatever whatever aristotle was paying him it is not enough he hired the best helicopter pilot in the world at this point not only do we have a winnebago on a popsicle stick uh being moved around the frame now we also have an upside down helicopter on a popsicle stick also being moved around the frame it almost feels like the sound effects are now also being done by the editor so the whole sequence just feels like <laughs> It's It's terrible. It's so terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I was going to say, I wrote down shitty, shitty, bang, bang. That was the way I described these effects. (laughs) That's awesome. I, I, I wrote down, uh, wow, this, this flying Winnebago is terrible. This ending is terrible. Uh, are they at least going to have an actual shot of the fucking witch mountain? Spoiler alert, they don't. No. It is never, they don't show witch mountain. We don't know what witch mountain looks like. Because they never decided which mountain. Yeah, you you never learn which mountain they're talking about. Which mountain was which mountain? That mountain? Maybe. Could be. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. (laughs) 
So they, 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 they land on a plateau. No mountain. It's just a grassy plateau. It's just a grassy field. Yeah. They land in a grassy Escaped field. Escaped a grassy field. An alien comes out of a bush on the other side of the grassy field. Wearing a fucking Canadian tuxedo. He's just this old fat man running through a field in a full denim outfit. And you're like, these are the aliens? These are the aliens. And you're like, oh yeah, that, guy, that, 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 that guy's an alien yeah. for sure. <laughs> he just came out of a little bush. He's just like, <laughs> running out of a bush. <laughs> we don't see. Well, then he takes the kids and he's like, come back into the bush with me. Yeah. And then the kids run into the bush. And Jason is like, yeah, okay, I'm going to let this old man take these children into the bushes. <laughs> this random old man grabs the kids and Jason's like, all right, bye. Like I say, they have the stupid line of, they say, but uncle, we thought you drowned. And he's like, so did I. <laughs> yeah, so did I. It's, it's worse than that. He says, well, it's when you know what to say to a shark, they can be quite helpful. And you're like, where the fuck did you crash that your kids drifted to california also if he was alive the whole time what the fuck was he doing why was he looking for these goddamn kids he was waiting for them in the bush <laughs> he was like no i have a plan i'll buy a hotel i will buy a hotel <laughs> i'll sit in this bush you made a winnebago fly you made a helicopter fly upside down you can talk to the kids telepathically you couldn't just levitate yourselves out of the water onto the land and be like, oh, well, that was shitty. Right? Let's just fly back home, kids. Just to, just to confirm here, none of this makes any sense because their alien spacecraft crashed in the ocean. This is what Tia had been remembering this whole time was when their alien craft crashed into the ocean and the kids were adrift at sea and then they were picked up and they were adopted. But when they crashed, Tia got her Starbucks which had a map to which mountain in uh -huh. it. Why? Yes. Why is there a map to which mountain? They didn't know they were going to crash. Correct. She have that whole speech of some of the aliens left and settled, and they talk about which mountain. They're like, which mountain? They're like, the one with all those weirdos that <laughs> the settled in their mountain. little village. Like, yeah, alien mountain. Like, oh, alien mountain. So, so I guess was there like a uh, scouting party that went ahead and found alien mountain, and then they went back to their own planet and said we're gonna settle here i think that's what it's supposed to be and they're like yeah they instead of just like giving them an earth map they had special star boxes engraved with hidden compartments underneath so you could figure out where to go so why why was the map in english it's it's not a useful map they're traveling across a galaxy bobby and the map is of like a one kilometer square region <laughs> in like northern california <laughs> Like, that's not helpful at all. <laughs> but they thought it would be so helpful they had it engraved in gold and put on a Starbucks. Like, it's not that they just drew them a map. Is this a star map? No, no, no. You have to find Earth on your own. And then once you get to Earth, you have to find California on your own. And then once you're in California, you have to find Stony Creek on your own. But if you get to Stony Creek, oh boy, this map is going to be useful. And then it's like, well, which mountain are we going to? They're like, I don't know. Just ask the locals. Exactly. <laughs> this is where I was going to say where you get robbed of the movie is at the end. The payoff you don't get with the cat is they say, would you take care of Winky for us? And he kind of picks up the cat and is like, do you really want to spend the rest of your life with a crusty old guy like me? And the cat goes, meow. And I was like, I would have watched an entire movie of Jason O'Day driving around in Winnebago with a cat. It would have been so fucking charming. And instead, uh, you get returned to Witch Mountain, and that is not the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I did read, he's also, because he does return for the sequel, there was also a spinoff pilot that was made, and I believe never aired, that he also reprised his role for. So we'll get to that in a second. Let's just, let's just wrap up the ending of this movie. The kids get behind the bush. There's a big freaking <laughs> flying saucer. Yeah. And then they get in the flying saucer and they fly away. And Aristotle Bolts is like, there goes the only chance I ever had to find that oil. <laughs> 
And then he just leaves his helicopter upside down in the middle of the field because the dude has so much fucking money. And then that's the end of the movie. The end. Yep. There is a sequel to this film. There's a whole franchise. There's a whole Witch Mountain franchise. <laughs> yeah, because they never figured out which mountain it was. <laughs> Someday they're going to find out. The sequel is called Return from Witch Mountain. Came out in 1978. Um, it has Christopher Lee in it, right? Hang on, let's look that up. At any rate, it doesn't matter because we're going to get to it someday. Someday we're going to do it. Then there was a third film, which went straight to TV, uh, called Beyond Witch Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) They still don't know. Nobody knows which mountain it is. After three films. It's Betty Davis and Christopher Lee. Jesus. Are in Return from Witch Mountain. Yeah, we're going to watch that one. It's coming up. Well, we have to. For sure. So that's the trilogy, although the third one isn't on Disney Plus because it was a straight to TV film. Uh, there was then a 1995 TV remake that starred Elizabeth Moss, Robert Vaughn, and Brad Dourif. Oh my god. Amazing. Amazing is right. Also not on Disney+, Plus, unfortunately. Then there was a second remake in 2009, Race to Witch Mountain, starring The Rock. I watched... Race to Witch Mountain last night after finishing watching Escape to Witch Mountain. I haven't seen that one. Is it any good? Spoiler alert, it's a million times better than Escape to Witch Mountain. Escape to Witch Mountain was so boring. So there is going to be another remake. Really? And in fact, they are shooting it right now, or at least as recently as December of last year. And it's being shot just down the road. In Hamilton and Toronto, Escape to Witch Mountain, the series. Wow. Coming soon to Disney+. Plus. Wow. Glad we don't have to watch that. Bryce Dallas Howard apparently is in it. Oh, I had read that. Yeah, okay, because she's involved in a couple... She's been more involved in the Disney camp since her work on Mandalorian, hasn't she? Yeah, she's in it. She might be a director on the series. I don't know. I don't know that because I, I don't know the direct... I don't, I'll look it up, maybe. Yeah. This this is not useful content. I'm sorry. I don't know anything. I just I do know that Bryce Dallas Howard is involved. Oh, it's just called Witch Mountain. Oh, it's just called Witch, Witch Mountain? Mountain with a question mark. Yeah. Request, do they finally yeah. have a question mark? It's like it? a sitcom. It's Witch Mountain. Bryce Dallas Howard's just shrugging. I don't know. With two alien children underneath her. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe when that comes out we can uh come back to the franchise and do Christopher Lee, Betty Davis, Return from Witch Mountain. Do we have to? I mean, it's got, it's got Christopher Lee in it. I'll watch it. Okay. Um, I guess we gotta we gotta rank it, right? Yeah. That is. Yeah. I guess if we don't, we're kind of like defeating the whole purpose of this. <laughs> All right, Rob, you didn't like it. Where are you where where are well, you putting this um, one? It's kind of funny that you had uh, said it's just bed knobs and broomsticks because I put this right below bed knobs and broomsticks at number thirty five. That's pretty low, man. It, the transfer looked good, but. It was boring. Nothing happened. They cut back to Tia's memory way too fucking much that it just annoyed me. And then it does nothing at the end. It's just an old man in a Canadian tuxedo running out of bushes. This conversation about the film was so much more enjoyable and so much funnier than anything that happens in this movie. All right. Bob, what do you think? I didn't love it. Um, it's kind of fun watching these weird movies from the seventies when like Disney didn't really know what the fuck they were doing. And we're trying to do a bunch of different things that never really worked out. As you said, very disjointed, kind of all over the place. That being said, had I seen this when I was a little kid, I probably would have really liked it. Um, when you, there, there's kind of enough for me as a little kid, like, oh, they're little kids and they're psychic and there's a bear and a cat that's also maybe psychic and an alien that never gets dealt with. Um, <laughs> exactly. I'd probably put this at like, probably around like 25. Like, kind of maybe, like, or 25 or 24 around Blackbeard's Ghost. Like, it's kind of around there where you're like, eh, I, it's kind of fun. I could see people enjoying it. So, for me, I got to say that this movie 
is pretty much my jam in a lot of ways. I <laughs> fucking love any story about siblings with a mysterious past who have to like solve supernatural riddles and uh, magical powers and they're introduced to a whole new world they didn't know of before. Like fucking Chronicles of Narnia shit or uh, that iconic Canadian YA television series, The Odyssey, starring Ryan Reynolds. Any of that is my fucking jam. <laughs> Up until the last six minutes with the popsicle stick Winnebago, <laughs> this probably would have been a lot higher, you know? I don't know if it would have been like a top 10, but it would have been pretty high for me. Those last six minutes probably <laughs> drop it at least five spots, like, on their own. <laughs> and so I am going to put this below... Bed knobs and broomsticks as well. For me, that's a bit higher. So that's just above the black hole, number 21 for me. Mm. It almost would have been higher, though. I, I dug the first half of this quite a bit. It's a really solid kind of like children's fantasy sci-fi film, I think. It has some interesting supernatural horror elements without getting too scary for kids. Um, but it mostly has a very disappointing and anticlimactic ending. It's just so yeah. terrible. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Sean. There was just too many negatives that took me out of it. So, but yeah, but you also put this below G Force. So, like, correct. Yeah, that's fair. See, I was more laughing at G Force being like, "How is this a movie?" And that made me happy. This movie, I would say, is a very good kids movie. If you are a kid, I would have really liked this sure. when I was a kid. You know what? I kind of agree with you. As you said that, Bobby, if I was a little kid and I was and I could actually imagine myself being one of the children, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is a fun adventure." I I could probably do that. But I I mean I saw this too late in life and so i'm a jaded adult and i'm like none of this pays off for anything okay 1975 what a year you know what else came out in 1975 the strongest man in the world nice. the finale of the kurt russell is the smartest man in the world slash the strongest man in the world slash also invisible trilogy and a dog and he's a dog <laughs> And of a dog <laughs> crossover with the Shaggy DA it takes place in the same universe. Yep, midfield. It's the uh, Kurt Russell strongest man in the world universe. Also coming out in 1975, the Apple Dumpling Gang, the first film in the Apple Dumpling Gang duology. <laughs> also coming out in 1975, a film called One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. I've tried to look that film up. It's not on Disney Plus. It's not fucking anywhere. That is a. Did you read the synopsis of that movie? <laughs> it's Peter Ustinov, right? Yeah, it's fucking bizarre. Well, hopefully it'll go on Disney Plus someday. What's the plot? Describe it's it. It's like someone hides secret government plans in like a dinosaur bone at the Dinosaur Museum, and all these different government spies are trying to get it. Interesting. Well, hopefully it goes up at some point. Um, little piece of trivia about that movie, which I discovered. Apparently, the skeleton of the Diplodocus that is used in that film where they hide secret government plans or whatever you just described uh, was later reused as the skeleton of the crate Dragon in 1977's Star Wars A New Hope. Cool. Uh, also coming out in 1975, the best of Walt Disney's true life adventures. Those are the documentaries where he ran animals off a cliff and said, ho, ho, look at him go. <laughs> oh, no. And if you wanted to see all the animals die at the same time, you could watch the compilation, the best <laughs> of. The best of. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Finally, in 1975, a film called Ride a Wild Pony, which was an Australian Western that for some reason Disney, I guess, thought would be a good idea that stars only Australians and 
I have never heard of. That was 1975. What a year for Disney. Also coming out that year, Escape to Witch Mountain. Okay, I think that's the end of the episode. Do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, when is my ban up? How many more films? It's going to be a lot, Rob. Just just forget about it. Forget no, about ever picking. I'm so excited. Listeners right into the show, long through reviews, should we extend Rob's ban? No, 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 no. So for anyone who doesn't understand, uh, the last time Rob picked, he picked <laughs> three films. The Lion King, John Favreau's 2019 remake, Luck of the Irish, and Taylor Swift's something, something, something or other. We watched all three. It was It was an ordeal. And now we've banned Robbie from picking for at least... Six weeks, was it? Yeah. Um, I think you're three weeks into that now, so you got at least another three weeks left. Fine. I'm so excited, though. You you keep threatening how good your next pick is going to be, but it's a threat. It's not a promise. It's a threat. I was asking my wife for some suggestions, uh, and we went through some Disney Channel originals. Uh, there's a movie. Oh, God. Time Please out. don't. Time out. There's a film. Are you looking to get your ban extended? No, 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 no. I might, yeah, I might post this is... on Instagram, but there's a film called... Uh, Teen no. Beach 2. It's not a porno. Uh, it's a Disney Channel original film. I highly recommend you guys watch the trailer, uh, because what the fuck is that film? Is there a Teen Beach 1? Yes. Is that a porno? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Strangely enough, yes. <laughs> it's a weird decision that Disney made there. You guys gotta um, see the synopsis. Watch the trailer for Teen Beach 2. It's blowing my mind. All right, listeners, if you don't want us to watch Teen Beach 2, write in and tell us to extend nope. Rob's nope. ban. Uh, we really only need one person. You carry the yeah. power here, listener. You're in charge of this show. All right. So next week, we don't have to watch Teen Beach 2. We don't need to watch any <laughs> of Rob's picks. It's either going to be a very special episode about high school musical or no, I'm just kidding. It's definitely going to be high school musical next week. Is it high school <gasps> musical? It's happening. People it's happening. Oh, Tune in. Yes. It's going to be a good one. All right, Bobby, we're going to wrap up this episode. I want you in your best Donald Pleasance impression to say, tune in next week to the podcast War tennis shoes. Tune in next week to the podcast about tennis shoes. And that's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks. Fun random note, and this is just different. They also have a Rob on their group because they're one guy in their show, Dasher. They've banned from picking movies. And I was like, oh, hey, it turns out that's just a common trope. Every podcast has a Rob. <laughs>